0: And we're back with uh, episode 12 of the Behind the Net podcast. I'm, uh, as always, I'm Matthew, and joined with me is
1: Michael. How's it going, guys?
0: Um, so we've had a pretty good week uh, in terms of sports. Um, again, the Toronto Raptors are uh, rolling, rolling right through the standings. 15 W's in a row. We'll mm-hmm. get to that in a bit. We'll get to that soon. And then uh, also the Leafs, they've been shaky, but things have been fairly positive since we uh, had our last episode. Um, we'll just start off right w- right with that. Literally the day uh, of uh, literally a few afters after we recorded our uh, podcast last week, um, the Leafs made a trade um, after after their game that night. And uh, they traded base. Uh, uh, do you know the, the specifics? I know okay. basically it was Trevor Moore plus... Yeah. More plus. For uh, Kyle Clifford and uh, Jack Campbell from the Los Angeles Kings.
1: Yeah, the, the draft picks, I remember they, there were some conditions on one of them, and the mm-hmm. other one's just like a straight-up third-round pick. I mean, it's a lot for a backup goalie and a, a fourth-line player, but w- which we'll get to in, a, in just a second. The the type of players that these two are is it makes it worth the price. Uh, and I think that what the results we've seen early on, it's like Kdubis made the right bet, but I think the other question is what took so long.
0: like first my thoughts on the trade immediately were like, I mean, I was impressed by the trade because this is exactly what the Leafs need. Um, First, obviously, how long we've been talking about the Leafs picking up a backup goaltender and I don't think Jack Campbell was even on our minds. Uh, We were arguing, you know, uh, you know, probably Brian Miller was probably, you know, the most obvious uh, choice other than uh, Gorgiev and uh, that's just what we were thinking for the longest time. And then it's almost like Jack Campbell was the dark horse choice that Kyle Dubas had so he fits that um, you know that need that the Leafs needed and then uh, kind of in the back of everyone's mind you know for the last two seasons maybe even more was the Leafs lack of grit and uh, Kyle Clifford kind of fills that hole almost immediately I mean we haven't seen much from him yet but uh,
1: he's definitely that type of player Uh, he's definitely uh, showed that physicality side Uh, I wouldn't say that he immediately solves the problems because again he's a fourth-line player and again, as we saw in the first few games, he's taken some questionable penalties. But mm-hmm. uh, like being on the fourth line, you need to have uh, that player that's going to protect your players, but also provide uh, offense in some way and, and play the puck really well. We saw the underlying numbers for, Je- for Kyle Clifford. They're very impressive. And that's the kind of player that Kyle Dubas likes to get. And the fact that he was doing that, that's a, obviously a great sign for sure. But uh, I think... We would like to, I would like to see a little bit more of an impact from from Clifford because so far it's been Campbell that's been by far and away the best player that least got in that deal.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't want to say Kyle Clifford's been invisible, but because he's been he's been out there and he's uh, he has taken some questionable penalties, but um, definitely we we're still waiting for him to I guess make a a bigger impact on the team. You know, it's only been what three games so far with the yeah. pair, and um, again I think he needs to. Uh, you could tell that the, the Leafs like this trade, and I I think Kyle Clifford likes to be here already, mm-hmm. and uh, we just need to see him. I guess kind of learn which penalties to take. He needs to take better penalties and know when when to take them, mm-hmm. um, and uh, just get. I, I say just give it a bit more time, and he'll uh, he'll kind of fit into the mold of the Leafs more. You know, he uh, back in Los Angeles, they played a more structured style of play, yeah, and here with the Leafs, um, it's very um adaptive um all the time things are changing so he needs to definitely adapt to that new style of uh play with with the Leafs so it's gonna take some time but uh I'm definitely excited for what he can bring but uh definitely going right into Jack Campbell yes the the, the the main part of the deal
1: yeah th- that was a really huge get not only was it at the time because they needed something different other than Michael Hutchinson he wasn't gonna cut anymore after that Rangers game on Wednesday night, I feel like a lot of fans and a lot of people in the in the hockey community were basically done with uh, Hutchinson as the least backup. So, just seeing someone different was uh, just a fresh sight to see, but also just seeing how Campbell's been playing uh, in his first three games so far. He's like he's looked very calm in the net uh, making some timely saves. He kept the Leafs in pretty much every single game he's been in so far. Like how I can't think of many goals that you could say Hey, Campbell, you should have stopped that one. Like, that happens sometimes. It's like not much you could have done. And I think that that's what the Leafs needed as their backup. And somebody also to give Anderson a little bit of competition. I think that's what we're going to be seeing from Campbell from now on. And I think that that's a really positive side to see going forward because I think the Leafs needed something uh, to help prepare for their long-term future. And even though it's not Gheorgia, which fans were clamoring for all year, it's not Ryan Miller because of the veteran presence, but it's a it's a guy who just genuinely is happy to be here, as you saw from his comments, just the way he's treating his teammates uh, on and off the ice. This is the this is the right move to make. It's just too bad it took this long. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. I think both of them seem to be happy to be here, which is great.
0: And uh, Jack Campbell, I think he's been playing very well because I mean he's a backup goaltender at the in the end of the day. So I'm not ho- I'm, we're not hoping for him to be like you know a superstar starter. It's not like we acquired. It's not like the Leafs acquired a. Uh, starting goaltender that's not what he he was brought in for Mm -hmm. he was brought in to be a solid backup goaltender and obviously right now frederick anderson is out so he's he's kind of bordering the line of backup and and starter right now and i think he's been filling that um that role very effectively he's been keeping the leafs in the games um there it's still been tough the leafs have, have been have been playing in some tough games lately but like i said he's kept he's kept them in um, and that's really what it's all about. Um, I, I've been impressed by him because uh, you can see the difference between him and Michael Hutchinson is is, is huge.
1: It's night, it's night and day difference, literally. like mm-hmm. I, I feel like uh, when the Leafs need to give Anderson a break, I feel more comfortable now doing so with Campbell uh, as, the, as the goaltender. With, with Hutchinson, God bless his heart, I don't think he's a quality NHL goalie. I, I think mm-hmm. it's just the reality of the situation. He's, at best, the third goalie it's it's crazy it's crazy what the Leafs have been missing in a solid
0: backup goaltender for this long once you finally have it and then you see the Leafs have really been rolling with Michael Hutchinson and again like no hate no disrespect to Michael Hutchinson he's held it down for the Leafs but he is not a viable backup goaltender and uh the difference is huge like it's 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 obvious and I want to know like where. Once Frederick Anderson comes back, what did the Leafs do with uh, Michael Hutchinson?
1: I think they just it's pretty obvious. Send them down to the Marlies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there's really no other place you can go. he you, you cannot have him sit in the press box for weeks on end waiting for one of Anderson or Campbell to go down with an injury. That's just not going to cut it. He needs to play. The best place you can play right now is with the Marlies, and that's where he's been a lot better than he was in the NHL. And that's just the reality of the situation. The Marlies also desperately need goaltending because their season's kind of gone off the rails a little bit. Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, they were on, like, they lost so many games in consecutive, uh, like, I can't remember if it's like, a long losing streak, but, like, they only won, like, three or four out of, like, 20 or something. And, like, if things were going uh, re- really bad, and things are, I think, starting to turn around a little bit. But they do need the goaltending, so, like, Hudson going down there would probably be the most likely scenario, and I think it will help them out. But also just for him to get his confidence back. That's what I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. Um I mean we'll, we'll just have to see how uh Campbell does. I mean uh the last game the Leafs played, uh he played he played amazingly. Honestly against the Coyotes again. Obviously in overtime we saw the uh the you know the goalie interference call. Mm-hmm. Um and uh Campbell stood there and you know like he knew it was goaltender interference. He wasn't leaving that crease until uh he got the call his way. I thought I I don't know, that that just kind of uh kind of impressed me in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, just seeing how, uh, I guess, confident he is in, in his role and, and also just his honest presence.
1: Yeah, and just, like, how much he cares about the team success. How much success. he cares, like, yes, he... About,
0: about the game, about, about the, like, the team.
1: Yeah, and he's only been here for not even a week. Like, this is, like, a week since the trade has happened. He's already re- endeared himself to the entire Leafs organization, and I think that's an impressive thing to do in, like, not even seven days. 100%. Let's move on to uh, an extension that uh, just got announced today. Uh, the the gazelle, or the giraffe, however you want to call him, mm-hmm. Pierre Engvall got extended for two years, 1.25 AAV. That's a I, great contract. I, I, I totally agree. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, great deal for a guy that's been very impressive this year. Um, he's really stepped up uh, during the absence of some injuries to the likes of Mikhaev. And then when they called him up, it was just because they wanted to try something different. But he made an immediate impact right he away, stuck. Yeah. and he, there's no there's no reason for him to go back to the Marlies anytime mm. soon. He he
0: impressed, and he I think he rightfully earned his spot on the Leafs. And I think as we've been talking about the last however many weeks, um, the Leafs bottom six is you know it's, the bottom six is very good. It's almost like a log jam. So moving Trevor Moore out, I think, made it more obvious that Engval Engval's spot on this team is more secured so it, it came at a perfect time uh to lock him up for two more years
1: and he's been playing really well lately he i mean been. like he has been struggling a little bit producing points wise but he's been a solid bottom third third line fourth line player uh taking face offs getting more opportunities on the on the third line uh his offense has been steady i'd, I'd say for the most part uh, he's getting lots of penalty killing opportunities and uh yeah, like that Trevor Moore trade basically confirmed that uh, Pierre Engvall is here to stay for the next few of course. years. I'm really happy about this deal. It's great for the salary cap. I can't wait to see what uh, he can do going forward. Mm-hmm.
0: It's a steal, and uh, he still has uh, a lot to kind of prove, which I'm excited for because, obviously, um, again, he hasn't even played a full season yet, so we'll see what what's in store with uh, Pierre Engvall. Um Again, yeah, just the the, the the salary is just great for the, for the Leafs current cap situation these you know these uh low numbers are obviously great to
1: see and guess what he's only 23 years old Mm -hmm. so he's you you have him till he's like 25 26 he's gonna be he's gonna be even better within by the time that that deal is done Mm -hmm. i'm this is this is the perfect deal for the Leafs to make for a player like him of course low risk high reward exactly um yeah i think there's a few more moves that the Leafs might be making uh in the next few weeks. I believe the the one thing that they're waiting for is if, as we were gearing was uh, the status of Morgan Riley. Obviously, Cody sees these out with an injury for the next month, which might be a blessing in disguise, I might add. But uh, depending on what happens with Morgan Riley, even regardless, what do you think we should be doing at the de- before the deadline?
0: I mean, do you fully get that whole... Uh, I was reading on Cap Friendly again. I'm, I'm not the best with all the LTIR. Mm-hmm. Mumbo jumbo. like uh, A lot of complicated stuff there, but uh, something about how I mean, I don't know if you you probably know how to explain better, but uh, basically because uh, Morgan Riley's on the LTIR, um, currently the Leafs have – they can technically bring in a player of up to $6 million, something Mm -hmm.
1: uh, like that. They could, but the question is, can they uh, get away with it? Because right now they're in a position where they're not fully secure in a playoff spot. They have to literally claw their way in with Florida right up up their butt. And the wild card race uh, being as tightly contested so as that. So, just
0: explain exactly how that works.
1: Like they would just basically make a trade, uh, put Riley on LTI, or basically, and then hold him out for the rest of the regular season. And then once the playoffs start, bring Riley back into the fold. Yeah, and, and then, then
0: you can roll with, I guess, exceeding the cap in that way—a little loophole there. Because the salary in the cap playoffs, doesn't matter. Yeah, in the playoffs. So the Leafs could do that, but again, I mean, I don't think they're not gonna. I I highly doubt they'll pick up a player of six million dollars but if anything it does give the Leafs a little more uh, wiggle room during the trade deadline to bring in a few pieces or bring in a a depth piece or two
1: yeah exactly I I feel like it can be done the only thing is though I don't think they're going to risk it because like I said the playoff race is too tight unless they have a playoff spot fully secure by the time Riley it's like by the time Riley's uh closer to getting returning then it's it's not worth the risk
0: Mm -hmm. because yeah of course you can't have Morgan Riley, your number one defenseman, um, out until playoffs. Mm-hmm. You need him in that in that in in the lineup. And uh, especially with the race this close, like, the Leafs need all the power they can get. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: I mean, let's be real here. I think they are going to make a move. It feels destined that there is going to be at least one more trade between now and the trade deadline. I think they'd want to do it before the deadline because it make things easier. If they're going to make a move, it's going to be for a player with term. Because that's what the kind of deal that Dubas likes to make—have security for the next couple of years. If I'm going to be completely honest, if they're going to move, it's probably going to be for a top-four defenseman and a third-line uh, center slash winger combo. So, if you're—if that's the case, I mean, I obviously think of one for the latter one. You don't—I don't even have to say his name. There's—there's there's
0: been some rumors going around about him as well. Yes. Just the other—the other day we saw.
1: Yes, there is some conversations about uh, Blake Coleman being traded to Toronto for Andreas Johnson Plus, which, if that was the case, I take would say Take it with yes. a grain of salt. Yeah, even, I, it's probably not... I don't know how true, uh, accurate that is, but if that actually was presented to me, and I'm the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, I would say yes in a heartbeat. It's like, yes, please, just take it. Take it <laughs> and run. But really, the only thing the Leafs really need more than anything is a top four defenseman. That's probably their biggest need. And once they figure that out, I think they've got... Just enough pieces to make something happen. Of course.
0: I think, uh, I mean, last last week we kind of talked about our trade deadline shopping list. Obviously, a goaltender was number one, priority number one on that list. And the Leafs kind of checkmarked that off so we can move on from that. So I'm with you on that. A top four defenseman, especially with all the injuries that the Leafs have been going through. And uh, again, I mean, with that LTIR kind of loophole there, they have a little more cap space to work with in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, it's risky. Don't don't use all of it, I don't think, but but it does give them a little room to try and get that top four defenseman that they need.
1: And uh, the other thing they have to figure out is what to do with uh, Tyson Berry, Jake Muzzin, and Cody Ceci. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think Cody Ceci is probably going to be gone.
0: He'll be gone. I think Jake Muzzin, I think they're working towards an extension with him. I think he, out of the... Out of the two, him and Barry, I think Jake Muzzin is more likely to re-sign with the Leafs.
1: And that's why I think the wild card is with Tyson Barry. Do you want to keep him on the team? Like, even though he's been producing very well, is the kind of player that he is and what he's been providing something that will help the team? Or is it better off moving him to get a player that has more term and will actually provide other values besides just producing offensive points? Mm -hmm. That's the question that they're going to have to figure out because uh, if they don't have an answer then they risk losing Tyson Berry for nothing. And that's just like, that's not something they didn't want to do because especially with the uh, NASM Kadri trait, not fully working out in their favor, even though Kadri's now out for week to week, apparently. Uh, they just have to figure out what to do with uh, Tyson Berry long-term.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to ask you about, uh, what did you think of uh, the first line versus the Coyotes that uh, Leafs fans have kind of been wanting for since 2016? We okay. got the big three of uh, Matthews, Marner, and Nylander all on one line.
1: I like the idea in theory because you have the two-way f- threat, the passer, and the finisher all together, and they're elite talent talents. And I f- at one point yesterday we even saw all five of the least recent first-round draft picks on the ice at the same time. With I saw that tweet. You pointed that yeah, out. Yeah, that was probably one of the coolest things I noticed. But yesterday, I don't think it worked. I think it might have also partly to do with uh, Nylander being sick. But even with him being sick, there was other players on the Leafs roster that were also sick, but played much better games. And putting all that to account, he just didn't. That line just didn't work. I just, mm-hmm. I just think there's a dynamic that is best when two of them are together and not all three at once. I th- I, there's a reason why they're better off playing together on the power play because there's that one less man on on the other side. Just makes it easier for that creativity to work. In theory, it should work because, like I said, two way passer finisher should be like the dynamic kind of line that you'd want but in practice yesterday it didn't work exactly the way they wanted it to but if they were to try it again with both all three players going at the same time I feel like that it's something worth considering
0: yeah I mean I have a similar uh similar thoughts there um you know I applaud uh Sheldon Key for for trying that of course he's always adapting always trying out new things um, I do just think it works a little bit better uh, spread out. We saw John Tavares had a huge game, of course, um, but I do think it like the duos that we basically the Leafs basically figured out this latter half of the season with you know uh, Matthews and Marner and Nealander and Tavares. Um, those two duos have been amazing, and I mean, again, I applaud Sheldon Keith for trying out something new. But hey, I mean, keep it as as is. Like they've been they've been playing great both of those duos. And uh, I don't know, I just, I just feel like uh, it, it didn't really work. But it, again, it was just one game. So I'm sure I think we'll start seeing them more, that, that line more often, maybe try it out more. Um, but I don't know, I just, I just feel like those duos uh, are good to go with.
1: Mm-hmm. If there's any one line I would like to see at least try out, it would be Marner, Matthews, and Tavares. Like for one game, try that out. Because that's a, it's a similar kind of a concept. Tavares is the two-way thread instead of Nylander. And you have the passer and the finisher all working together. I think that might actually be a line that's worth trying at least once. And I've they've done it sometimes off uh, mm-hmm. penalty kills. Why not? You're selling the Leafs are willing to try different things out. I'm willing to give it a shot. 100. percent And uh, I don't know. I kind of felt bad for <laughs>
0: John Tavares. Well, I mean, he had a great game, but uh, he came here to play with you know, star wi- a star winger. Uh, and I I mean, he kind of didn't. Kind of. I mean, he had. Yeah. Again, Zach Hyman had a great game. Mm-hmm. but uh it just i was like man you have you have uh that's why i like the duos because you have two uh great wingers and Nealander and uh marner give one to give one to Tavares, you know
1: yeah i think it's just uh was bringing back memories of his time with the islanders with but, the islanders <laughs> but then again Tavares always makes the players around him better of course so i don't think he's complaining as long as the team's winning i don't think he'd be too upset anyway there is some uh interesting stuff going on in the nhl uh in the atlantic division uh Two teams are going on opposite runs for good and bad reasons. <laughs> let's start by talking about... Uh, let's, do, let's start on a lighter note with the Tampa Bay Lightning, the team that uh, started the year off on a weird foot after getting swept uh, in the first round last year. I mean, and yeah, and
0: they had a... Their first half of the season was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. They weren't even, you know, in a playoff spot for most of the first half of the season. And then they completely turned things around. And I think... I mean, come on. Who could ever account out the Tampa Bay Lightning... Um, even when they were, you know, even when it was December and they were, you know, struggling to touch a playoff spot, mm-hmm. um, I didn't count them out. I was just, you know, I, w- I guess I was right in a way. I just said like, kind of give it time, you know, they'll figure it out. They're the Tampa Bay Lightning and they figured it out a lot better than I
1: had, uh, hoped for. <laughs> they're, they're, they've been playing really well. The team, yeah, is, they've won is, eight straight. Yep. Eight straight is just, what I was about to say, it's really well built organization from top to bottom. Uh, their top line is incredible. They have solid depth, a really good defensive unit. Their goaltending is excellent. Like that's a team that could, in theory, win the Stanley Cup, because it's like, hey, teams I mean, like that. When you build, when you build a team like that, that I usually mean, can do damage in the playoffs. But again, we've been saying that every year for exactly. <laughs> it's been that's that's the thing. In theory, they should. It hasn't happened yet, and that's what I'm wondering. When's that time going to come? Is this going to be the year, or is it just going to be another wasted opportunity? And I feel like we ask that every
0: every the beginning of every season for the last
1: what 4 years. Mhm. It was kind of like with the Carolina Hurricanes like uh, one day they're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> one day they're going to do they're going to make it and we're going to you're going to see why they 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 deserve to be there and then last year they sh- they showed it. Same thing right now with the Coyotes. One day they're going to make it cuz this is a team that, that can do damage. They're going to make it one day. I just know it. Even the Avalanche.
0: Yeah? Even the Abs. Look at them. They've I- been they've been bottom of the bottom of the league for how long? But, you know, we, we said they have good pieces, and,
1: I mean, look at them now. Now they're challenging for first place in the Central now, Division. they're challenging for a cup, I think, this season. I think they might be the, the, the team to make it out of the West this year. Yeah. a, a Cav- An avalanche lightning series would be probably really fun. It would be. But it would be who knows if that's even going to happen. Hockey's unpredictable. You know what else is unpredictable? The Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: did you see the the protest that went on uh, over the weekend a, a bunch of Buffalo Sabres fans decided to I guess protest against the team and I guess I mean I've never been to the Buffalo Stadium I mean you, I know you have but I have. they went they basically went outside to the little plaza that's outside the arena and had a little protest and there were videos on on Twitter and and I just sat there thinking man like
1: that's terrible <laughs> oh here's the thing Buffalo just keeps finding ways to hit new lows I feel bad for them because the team, in, in theory, should be competing for a wild card spot. Like, when you have Jack Eichel, some decent scores, uh, a decent defense, and some decent goalies, that's enough to compete for a wild card spot. I can't figure out what the problem is with this team. They should be way better than they are. But, yeah, it's like the old saying goes. When you hit a rock bottom, you just see finding ways to hit new lows. That's, not, that's I don't think that's the saying, but I just whatever. That's and your saying. That's my <laughs> saying now. Put that on a T-shirt. Um, I mean, I,
0: I've, I've been saying this for the last, how many years? Like with Buffalo, I, I mean, I feel so bad for their team. I just don't get what's wrong internally or what, because it's not like they haven't tried. It's not like, I mean, they've been getting first round pick after first round pick, you know um, they've, I mean, their rebuild probably dates back to what, like 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, I mean, being bottom of the table and getting like a, a, a top pick in the draft. Um, you know, they, they, they pick Sam Reinhardt, then they picked Jack Eichel and then they pick Alex Nealander, and then they picked Casey Middlestat. These are all like top 10 picks by the way. And Rasmus Dallin. Rasmus Dallin. Um, I mean, that's like a top 10 pick every year for the last, what, like six years. And, and then you make trades like, you know, the biggest one obviously is they, it's not like they're not going for it. It's not like they're not picking up the pieces to try and go for it. Um mm-hmm. the biggest one is Ryan O'Reilly. They picked up Ryan O'Reilly um you know to be a contender and it just didn't work out. Nothing's working out for them and then he leaves and then he wins a c- suddenly he's he's the he suddenly becomes a superstar, you know,
1: in St. Louis. And now Buffalo is missing a second line center that can score. And I my question, hmm, I wonder where that went. I know, right? And uh I don't know like
0: and they have they go on these winning streaks where they they get into a playoff spot and they look like this is the year, and then they completely fall off. And we saw that last year as well. Um, Happened again this year. We saw last year. We saw Jeff Skinner, you know, score so many goals and look so great next to Jack Eichel, and then now, you know, like where is the team? What what are they doing right now?
1: They they they. I don't think they have a clear direction. I think what the problem is is that they're they're being blindsided by these win streaks. Thinking that they're a better team than they actually are, it's just they need to they need to have a set plan, and stick with it. I don't know what that
0: plan is though, because like like I said, like you know, usually when you see a team like let's let's just use the Oilers for example, they get a superstar in Connor McDavid, or even dating back, they get a superstar in Taylor Hall, and uh, you know they just don't build around those players properly. Mm-hmm. You know, I. They've tried to build around Jack Eichel. It's not like they haven't picked up the the, the draft picks that they needed. That they haven't tried to fill holes where they mm-hmm. where where it's needed, and uh, things just haven't worked out for them. I just, Nothing's working out mm-hmm.
1: for them. I just like I said, they need to figure out a direction where to take this team because if they don't, it's only a matter of time before Jack Eichel says, "Screw this! I want out of here." Give me the first ticket out of Buffalo, New York, and trade me somewhere else. Because this is not going to work out. Do
0: you think it's fair if he says that if he requests a trade?
1: If I'm a Sabres fan, I wouldn't blame him. Because how many years has it been now? He was drafted in 2015. It's 2020. Five years in. No progress has been made. Sabres have not come anywhere close to a playoff spot. All they have to show for it since they've drafted since they've drafted Jack Eichel was Alex Nealander 2016. Casey Middleton the next year, Deling with the first overall pick, and Dylan Cousins last year, and they may get another first, n- another top ten pick this year. How many more f- top ten picks are the Sabers going to have to draft before they ha- have the team that they're looking I mean, for? I am
0: looking at their draft history, and they've had a top ten pick in every draft s- since 2013, when they picked Rasmus Ristolainen.
1: Actually, even 2012 with uh, uh, no, that's, that was, that's uh, a 14th overall pick, but yeah. still, and a 12th overall
0: pick. I mean, still close enough though. Close yeah. enough. It's it's not like they, they, they it's not like they haven't had the opportunities to, you know, build their farm system. It's not like they haven't had the opportunities to fill their gaps and make those trades. Mm-hmm. Um I just I just don't know what it is. Um and of course I was gonna ask you like I mean to take off your Leafs bias as well, if is it if if let's say like the Leafs didn't make the didn't make it out of the first round for another two to three years do you, do you think it would you be in the same position to say like oh i don't blame awesome matthews if you wanted out because this team's not getting anything done obviously different situations because mm-hmm. the savers can't make the playoffs in the first place but i mean you know it's just a team that can't get done it can't get things done
1: i do, it's like i said i don't blame players if they want to leave situations where it's st- it's stagnant and nothing's progressing and they want a different want to try mm-hmm. something else elsewhere i think players like it when there's progress and that there's clear growth and that they're they're trying to reach their goals and when you're in a situation where it seems like nothing's changed of course player's going to feel frustrated and uh, flabbergasted and like okay, if nothing's changing and we're not progressing to where we need to be why am I still here? Why do I need to be in this situation? And I think Obviously, obviously, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to say that happened to Matthews, but I can understand why if, if he felt that way in a few years, at least don't make it, don't don't do anything uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it's the same thing with Jack Eichel, and same thing with Connor McDavid. The list goes on and on. You could pick pick Patrick Line, a, potentially. Like, what if he would feel flush, frustrated? Uh, mm-hmm, and I think out, out of the three you
0: picked, probably Winnipeg is obviously one of the one the farthest out of those three teams, out of those four teams, the Jets. The Sabres, the Leafs, and the Oilers.
1: But could you argue that that one was probably a fluke? Because yeah. this year, like they, they, they might not even make the playoffs.
0: That year was probably their best chance at, uh, you know, competing for a cup. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't blame, I wouldn't blame them either. Again, to take off any Leafs bias that could possibly be there. Yeah, I wouldn't blame Austin Matthews or whoever on the Leafs, whoever would want to leave if the Leafs stayed stagnant. You know, first round exits every year. Um, I wouldn't blame them, and I wouldn't blame Jack Eichel if I was a Sabres fan. And um, I, I I do feel for those Sabres fans who are protesting out there because you know at the, at the core of it all they're just they want change. They want I don't know their ownership to change or they want their their ownership
1: to do something about this team, change direction, do something. I think they just want a playoff team again, mm-hmm. as it by any means necessary at this point. They just want a winning team with a sense of direction and the Sabres. In the late 2000s, the Sabers were really good. Mm-hmm.
0: With uh, when when Ryan Miller was in his prime, that team with uh Jason Palmville and uh you know Thomas Vanek and all that, um they were great. Yeah, they were a great team. Um and it sucks they didn't go that far in the playoffs. Of course, but uh I think the Buffalo just wants that again.
1: I think as they need to figure out which direction. Like I said, they need to figure out where they want to take this team, how they're gonna get there and make sure they have the right people the right or people in management to, to reach that destination because if they don't they don't have the plan they don't have the vision they don't have the what the tools needed to get there it's just going to be like this for the next couple of years even if they do make the playoffs then what is that going to change everything maybe it's going to make people happier that they finally did it but then again sabers fans will be like it's just like with the leafs a few years ago in 2017 when leafs made the playoffs everyone was happy relieved Thank you. We made it. But now, the, the, after that, I want let's see progress. Let's see them go further. That hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. At this point, first thing Buffalo needs to do is do everything in their power, try and make the 2021 playoffs because I don't think it's going to happen this year. And if they make the playoffs, you're on the right track. Honestly, all I have to say is like, we'll just have to
0: see because I really don't know how the Sabres or what the Sabres need to change. To get to the playoffs or to get there or what they need to do to kind of move themselves in the right direction I I don't even have any predictions so I mean all I can say is we'll have to see what happens
1: and just feel I feel feel for the for the Dwayne's of the Buffalo Sabres fan base mm-hmm. all those guys we pre we respect we commend you we feel for you mm-hmm. As leaf fans we know how that felt yeah we do anyway let's move on to some happier thoughts
0: like the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors. So, uh, I mean, as you said, the Toronto Raptors have won 15 in a row. Um, not a lot to talk about uh, with the Toronto Raptors when, you know, they're winning every game. Um, it's not like there's any negatives there. Um, it's just it's just crazy how the Raptors really took this season. Again, this season, which was originally going to be like a throwaway season um, in hopes, obviously, to clear out cap, clear out. Veterans and make way for hopefully Giannis in 2021. But Mm -hmm. the Raptors turned this and also with all the injuries. I mean, if you look at it at a surface, you would think this season was just a throwaway season. Yeah. But the Raptors completely changed the course of the season and honestly have been playing better than they did last
1: season. Even without Kawhi Leonard, I think that's probably the one thing that's been the most surprising. And I'm just looking at the standings right now. Raptors are 40 and 14. There's a le- very legitimate chance they can challenge for first in the Eastern Conference, which is something that a lot of people—and I mean a lot of people—were not expecting. You, I and I would I would agree. I did not. I thought this Raptors team was a playoff team, like, mm-hmm. but I thought like maybe fifth or sixth. That's seed at exactly best. what I thought. I thought I thought fourth. Like, if I was to choose
0: one number, I I, I said fourth. Fourth in the East was probably best. You know, you have the Bucks the Celtics and the 76ers ahead of the Raptors. Those are the only three teams I thought could be ahead of the Raptors. Realistically. Mm -hmm. Again, I didn't see the heat being this good. Um, But I mean, the Raptors have absolutely, you know, shattered expectations. And, uh, but I mean, I don't think they should even care about being first uh, in the East. I don't think that matters at this point. Mm -hmm. Focus on the playoffs right now, because what I actually think is that this team with their championship pedigree, their next up mentality, everything they've shown through injuries. um, Again, I think they can actually make the finals. Yeah. I actually think that. I think we talked about this a few episodes ago. Before all this happened, you know, we thought, hey, maybe they can get to the Eastern Conference finals, right? But now it's, I think they can get to the finals.
1: I definitely think so, too. 100%. I-
0: they've shown it through injuries and everything, that their experience is what matters and then, and then how the team really
1: works together. They didn't even need to win 15 games for me to say, this team has a legit chance to go far in the playoffs mm-hmm. again. This team could have won half as many games, like on 7-7 seven and seven during the stretch, and I'd still be confident in their chances because having that championship pedigree, knowing what it like, takes to win, and having most of the pieces there, even though you don't have that superstar finisher in Kawhi Leonard, that's huge. That's huge in the NBA. It kind of makes reminds me of the two Detroit Pistons from the early two th- to mid-2000s. Like, you remember those teams how they had a lot of quality players but no real superstar mm-hmm. that took all the credit? Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like this Raptors team is like. That's scary. Because a team playing well together and feeding off each other is just as much of a threat As a team With two superstars Playing at their best And trying to attack you With, for- with ferocity On the basketball court And I think like if, the, if, the Rap- if the Raptors Can win with this kind of format A lot of other teams Are going to start to notice You know why I think The Toronto
0: Raptors Are finals bound Why? Because Look at the Eastern Conference No other team Has even finals experience In the last In recent history Other than the Toronto Raptors, who's been in the finals for the last, what, four years? The Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron. LeBron. LeBron has went over to the uh, West, but even if you're counting the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're not in a playoff spot, so it doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. Every other team that's in a playoff spot has no finals experience except the Toronto Raptors. And on top of that, probably the only team that has made it as far as the Toronto Raptors are the Milwaukee Bucks.
1: And the Boston Celtics a few years before that. Of
0: course, of course. Um... Again, yeah, I'd say the Boston Celtics, but they're iffy. I think the main, you know, the main uh, threat to the Toronto Raptors are the bo- uh, Milwaukee Bucks, and they just, like, in terms of Yo- the Giannis era, mm-hmm. they just made their first Eastern Conference Finals, and that's not getting over the hump to go to the finals yet. But you have an entire Toronto Raptors team who's been there and who's actually won the entire championship. Mm-hmm. They've got a, a load of veterans. Uh I mean obviously the biggest uh Ibaka and Gasol they've been there before especially Gasol um who's been through a lot even in Memphis um and they just got a lot of players who can ball they've they they're easily the deepest team I think in the East yeah and uh defensively they just eat teams up and I think that's exactly why because there's no other team who has that experience
1: at all and and like I said the Raptor the Raptors real competitions like the Bucks and the Celtics maybe the heat or the wild card maybe the 76ers finally find their gear but I think there's a little ch- chance for the Raptors to make it out of the East again the only thing is though if they do make it all the way out of the East into the NBA Finals who are they gonna face in the NBA Finals you'd feel confident they can win that series because yes they did take it take six from the Warriors when they were bad and bruised but then again that came pretty close to some of those games. Yeah. I don't know if that the same luxury is going to happen this year. Because let's take a look at the West. You got the Lakers who are firing on all cylinders. The Nuggets who might finally make it out of the West this time. The Clippers with Kawhi and PG. The Jazz. Like, those are some legitimate talents in, for the top four. Let's just say that
0: we'll worry about the, getting the finals first. I do think if we're talking about the Western Conference, I do think both of the Los Angeles teams are on a collision course to the Western conference finals. I mean, you got LeBron who I think is the best playoff performer right now out of anyone else. Mm-hmm. And like the way we saw him, will the 2018 Cleveland Cavaliers to the finals kind of drag that like dead team to the finals. I mean, he could do that if, if he, they were the eighth seed, if the Los Angeles Lakers were the eighth seed, he could probably drag them to the finals. I feel or at least to the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kawhi Leonard, the Los Angeles Clippers. Kawhi Leonard, I think, is the second best playoff performer in the league. And that's why I think they're just bound to meet up. And then we'll just see how how it goes from there. Clippers versus Lakers. But, I mean, if we're, if we're looking ahead, yeah, it's going to be tough for the Toronto Raptors going up against either of those two teams.
1: Or even the Nuggets, too.
0: The Nuggets, of course, too.
1: But that's what I'm saying. I think that you're right. And that the Raptors have a legit chance to make it out of the Eastern Conference. I, I
0: do think the Raptors would have the easy. Like, I think I think the the best matchup they out of those three teams would be the Nuggets, though.
1: mm mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. Unless of course the, the two Lakers teams suffer immense injuries to key players, but we can't be holding our hopes up for that again. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of people will be saying, "Oh, this Raptor team just gets lucky because the other team gets hurt." Hey, they're not really. That I good. mean, I
0: could I could rant out a rant about that topic all day. I mean. Build a depthful team. That's exactly why you build a depthful team. You don't go top heavy. And we know this I mean, because we were we watch hockey, we know that you need a depthful team and injuries happen. Um you can't front load your NBA team because injuries happen. And that's what happened with the Warriors. So stop, you know, putting an asterisk next to the Toronto Raptors championship. You know, if the Golden State Warriors mm-hmm. just didn't, you know, pay half their cap space to their starting lineup, they uh they would have a more depthful team. And if if a if a super if a superstar was out then they would still have, you know, players who can ball out.
1: I mean, look at where they are right now. They're one of the worst teams in the NBA after they lose both Clay and Steph Curry to long-term injuries. And they're just in a spot where they just got to wait the year out and see if they can try it again next year. Of course. That's actually funny. Since I mentioned uh, Golden State, didn't they just pull off a big yeah, trade at the I deadline? I was
0: actually going to bring that up. Speaking of, uh, you know, players who are uh, kind of going along, we, we saw obviously D'Angelo Russell kind of had to pull that team for the first half of the season and they shipped him off to uh Minnesota. Um, so Carl Anthony Towns finally has his best friend with him there. And uh, I'm sure Devin Booker, who's also, you know, like they're, it's like their trio. Um, Devin Booker
1: is waiting there in Phoenix, wishing he can be a part of that. <laughs> I just want to congratulate sure. D'Angelo Russell for moving up one point in the stand, one spot in the standings. <laughs> But in all serious, no. This is a good move for, for D'Lo because obviously, like you said, him and Carl anthony Towns are uh, a dynamic duo, I think, from off-the-court friendship. And obviously, Devin Booker would be a really nice fit over there. Um, we saw in those first few games, I think they're still trying to work things out, trying to figure out what their chemistry is like. That's going to take some time. But I like, the, I, I like the idea behind the move. I know it was a little bit of a risky move because of just how much capital they had to give up to get him. But... I think it's one where both sides are going to get something out of it because, one, like we said, D'Angelo Russell really wants to be with his friends, and I think him playing alongside Carl anthony Towns is going to make for a fun team that could start competing as early as next year, I think, for the 7th-8th seed. And as for uh, Wiggins, he's going to be going into a great situation for next year where he could be the starting small forward on a team with Steph, with Clay, with Draymond, and potentially a top five pick, whoever that may be. I'm gonna I mean, I'm gonna kind of disagree with what you
0: said, in a way. Okay. But for the most part I do agree. Um his situation, Andrew Wiggins' situation is uh is it's gonna be unique next season because again, yeah, if they get a top five pick, and let's say it is James Wiseman who is a center, who's a, who could be potentially a star center at a cheap contract, um, you know, a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. The Warriors could potentially have, um, obviously Steph, Clay, and Draymond, plus Wiggins and a star center, and there they are. They're, they're like you know, the crazy starting lineup all over again. But uh, I don't know. Like the more I thought about this trade, at first, obviously first, uh, it was a smart trade for Minnesota getting D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. They needed to kind of upgrade in their guard position. Yeah. Um. Well, the more I thought about it, though, it, I don't get what Golden State sees in this deal, because Andrew Wiggins. He first, I mean his contract. He has one of the worst contracts in the NBA in oh. terms of a. What? How he's been performing? He's been performing great this season, though. You know, individually, but um, again, they need to string together. Minnesota needed to string together some wins. He's been really picking up his play over the lot from the last few seasons, and really props to him for that. But um, for one, yeah, it's been hard for Minnesota to get rid of that contract. A lot of teams didn't want to kind of buy into that contract, and Golden State <laughs> went ahead and said, "I'll take it." And uh, that was the first surprising part because again, if this uh, if this doesn't work out, this this project doesn't work out with Wiggins, then uh, they have a monster contract that uh, is kind of really hard to move, mm-hmm. and then. On top of that, you know Andrew Wiggins isn't exactly the player that fits the mold of the uh, Golden State Warriors. They're kind of the the team that kind of passes around to get that perfect shot. Yeah, they're very, uh, you know, they they obviously their shooting is primarily Steph and uh, Clay. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Andrew Wiggins is someone who primarily takes a, and generates a lot of shots. He drives to the basket a lot. He kind of wills his way to the basket or tries Wills' way into taking those shots, basically. Yeah, And, uh, I mean, what I think it is is that Golden State sees something in Andrew Wiggins, and they have to firmly believe that they can kind of change him or they have something in mind for him. They truly believe that they can uh, turn him into a player who can adapt to their system and then be effective. I mean, in terms of position, it's perfect because he could play small forward, which they need after, obviously, after uh, Kevin Durant left. Um, but again, it, in terms of the contracts situation and, you know, the fit, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense unless they feel like they can convert him into their system. And if they can get him to buy into this system, they got a really good player because I mean, as we saw in his first two games, he's been playing, he played great like individually. Um, and he's playing a little more efficient already. And I think that's the main thing is that Golden State needs to, Basically teach him to be a more efficient shooter.
1: And I think that this is what's going to be really helpful about this season because there's no expectations being placed on the Warriors with their two best players out with injuries for the whole year. That gives them a chance to really uh, figure out what they have in Wiggins and just help them buy into that mental system that they've been trying to establish for the last few years. And I think, like I said, it couldn't have come at a better time. Who ha- who cares what happens this season? Just play it out, get that draft pick, and hope to compete for next year. And I think that you can convince Wiggins to play not only because he's pretty much stuck there with the contract that he's in, but I think that the idea of playing alongside those type of players with a chance to compete in the Western Conference, and they've proven that they can get out of the West many times over and win lots of games in the regular season, I think he can fit in. I think there's a there's a potential fit. It's, but I, I agree with you in your, in your sense that we don't know if that's going to work based on past history, but if there's one thing about the Golden State Warriors, the allure of playing on a team that has won was it three out of the last five championships like come on who I would not want to turn down an opportunity like of that of course mm-hmm. anyway there are um, some of the things that happened this weekend uh this like the 76ers right 76ers yeah, had some so, controversies I mean
0: uh there's been a lot of a lot of chit chatter about uh the 76ers obviously not uh kind of not getting it done you know, towards expectations. When it's been coming down to it We've been seeing a lot of things about Joel Embiid coming out And uh, just uh, yesterday um, You know I, I saw a lot of tweets about it um, Apparently Philadelphia 76ers fans booed I mean there are obviously some cheers So take that with like I mean there there is some truth You could hear boos in the videos But uh, I mean they booed Joel Embiid And uh, on top of that Brian Windhurst uh, I believe uh, Said uh, you know, There's some chit-chatter about uh, being open to trade. Uh, the, the 76ers being open to possibility of trading Joel Embiid. And I just want to pull up that. Uh, you, uh, you could give me your thoughts on that as I pull this up. It's but, actually funny you mention yeah. that
1: because just the other day, I was having a conversation with my friend just about that very same idea. This wasn't before, of course, finding out about all the controversies with Joel Embiid in Philadelphia. But he made a pretty compelling argument about how it might be best to stick with a Ben Simmons long term, because Ben Simmons is a very versatile player. And even though he's not a great uh, long distance shooter, like he could be one of the best athletic players in the NBA for a very long time. And I think that that's the kind of player that you'd rather want to build around instead of a guy like Joel Embiid, who is a great player, but possibly could be like maybe the second or even third best player. On a, on a championship contending team. And I was pretty impressed by that because I was I do really like Ben Simmons. I really think he's one of the best players in the NBA. He's not the best player, obviously. He's not even close to top five. Maybe he's top 20 right now. I think I think Ben Simmons is a great player. I just think he needs
0: to work on a few things. Obviously, a jump shot. In the NBA in 2020, if you can't be taking threes as a guard, then that's a, a huge
1: you know, like, kick to your game. Exactly. And I think if he can work that out and make it a more lethal part of his game, he is the best player on the 76ers, by and far. No question about it. Better than Joel Embiid? I would say so, yeah, because, like, he's a very strong player. He's a very big player. He's vers- He's a lot more versatile. He can play the point guard, but you can even play him on the smaller or the power forward mm-hmm. because he just I mean, he's just of his huge. size. He's huge, yeah. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. If he can work out his shot... I think the 76ers would be more comfortable with sticking with Ben Simmons as their guy. And I, that's not a, it's not a shot at Joel Embiid. He's a hell of a player. I just think Simmons has to be the guy. No. They have to figure out his shot, though.
0: Let me just read out the, I guess, the initial report from uh, Brian Winhurst. Um Just so, you know, nobody thinks I'm capping or nobody. Uh, you know, we have the exact wording yeah, and yeah. everything no of course mb he says uh nba executives are beginning to prepare for possibility that joel Embiid becomes available on the trade market so i mean it's not exactly that philadelphia is saying he's open uh i mean you know like they're open to trading him but it's more about nba executives are starting to realize that there is a possibility coming that he could be open you yeah. know to be traded for i can see why and going back to that i mean you don't think Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid can work out together because as you said you say Ben Ben Simmons should be you know the number one option their guy but then you don't think Joel Embiid could be
1: right there with him oh of course I just I like I said I think Ben Simmons has the bigger upside just because he's a bigger bigger player like a way way bigger player and like he just needs that the shots literally the only thing part of his game that is a weakness but with Joel Embiid he is a big man he's versatile He's a very speedy guy. He can uh, defend really well. Uh, I mean, he was a big part of the 76ers during the trust the process era of the team when they were uh, tanking and not getting anything done. And he was the face of that, that era. Like, let's not question it. The 76ers during that time were bad. Like, really tough to watch. And serious questions about the integrity of the sports were being asked because of the way they were handling things. But 76ers fans fell in love with Joel Embiid and he was the face of the team when they were doing really well and progressing up towards the chance of comp- contending, and he was the face of the team when they lost Game 7 of the Buzzards to the Raptors. So he and, and I understand that 76ers fans want to see progress. They haven't really seen that, and this year they could potentially follow the first round really quickly, or they could go all the way to the NBA Finals. I don't even know anymore. But They're really a wild card. Exactly, yeah. Um. I mean... I agree with pretty much
0: everything you said. Only thing I'm going to disagree with is uh, I do think Joel Embiid is the better player than Ben Simmons. That's fine. In my opinion. And I would say, obviously, Philadelphia should keep him. But I honestly don't know what's really going on there. Um, Again, I do want to bring up... It was kind of a cryptic thing. People, of course, it's going to get people talking. But he uh, he basically... Joel Embiid posted uh, a post on Instagram that... Uh, I, I forgot the quote. It was like, you either... Uh, let me see if I can pull it up.
1: Isn't it like a Batman quote? Yeah, Batman?
0: <laughs> it, was a, it was a Batman quote. Uh, and I'll, I'll explain the significance behind it. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain.
1: Yep, there you go. That's, ba- that's Batman for
0: you. And uh, I mean, basically, what happened was he posted that. But apparently, Jimmy Butler had captioned a photo on Instagram with the exact same caption beforehand. And then... In Joel Embiid's comments for that post, you see Jimmy Butler commenting, I know a place where villains are welcome.
1: <laughs> and then Joel Embiid <laughs> replies to that comment and says, Damn right, my brother. I would want to use that Tim and Sid sound effect like, Ooh, <laughs> I feel like that'd be the perfect time for that. And like, I mean,
0: 76ers fans booed Joel Embiid, and, and I don't really know the fully the motivation behind it. I have to think it's it's some somewhat with this because I know this this kind of post uh, kind of set 76ers fans off the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like they just feel like they don't know where they sit with Joel Embiid right now. They might feel a little sense of being you know him being disloyal in a way. But hey, I mean, if you want to, if you want him to stay, don't boo him.
1: Yeah, you're not gonna help his case. And like, hmm, wonder why I should stay in Philadelphia. One, the fans boo me. Wait a minute. That's not a reason to stay. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, if you if you're thinking,
0: man, we really need to. I really want Joel Embiid to stay in Philadelphia. I got to show him why he should stay here. I'll just boo him.
1: Yeah, that's what happened. That's what happened at least last year with Jay Gardner. You know mm. how when Jay Gardner's contract's about to expire, uh, trying to give him a reason to stay is not by booing him because mm-hmm. that's gonna make him want to leave as soon as possible. And no wonder he's in Carolina, where no one really cares of what he does off of the off, on off the ice. But I, mean, I mean,
0: Philadelphia is a big basketball city, of course. So I don't blame their fans for caring so much about their team. Yeah. I mean, they deserve... I mean, I thought Allen Iverson deserved a, a ring. Um, I wish he had gotten a ring over his time. And uh, Philadelphia is just one of those cities that, you know, they're a basketball city. But are we talking about practice? <laughs> don't even bring up that.
1: that sorry, quote. Just, sorry, just, quote, sorry, I just though. had to bring that up. Legendary. Of course, of course. But... Yeah, I think the thing with the Embiid situation, all that they can really do is just if there's something going on behind the scenes with Embiid and management or Embiid with the coaching staff or Embiid with the players, just work it out. Because the team right now is 34-21. and 21. They are fifth. Right now, as it stands, when they start the playoffs, they're going gonna to be starting on the road. And that's going to be a really tough spot to be in. It's not an impossibility because they're playing against a Miami Heat team that's still unproven even though they got Jimmy Butler and are playing well above expectations. Like, that's going to be a tough go for them. Just focus on trying to win the rest of the season, trying to get the team chemistry back up, and just focus on trying to do damage in the playoffs. Because at this point, the only thing that they can really focus on is just trying to progress. That's what 76ers fans want out of this team. They want to see this team doing better than they did last year. Last year, they took the eventual NBA championship to the final seconds to the final buzzer of Game 7. I know for a fact 76ers fans felt that they probably could have uh, won that NBA title if the buzz if things the bounce went their own with their way man I remember watching like reaction videos
0: of course of uh you know 76ers fans reacting to the like live to the Kawhi game seven shot yeah and man <laughs> I mean I could just imagine if it was the other way around like how hurt Toronto fans would be
1: listen that's being a Leaf fan it's good to have one uh, <laughs> game winner go your way for once. Of course, but uh, yeah, I think the 76 team is really good. I think it might be in their best interest for now to keep both. But if you had to choose between Embiid and Simmons, I I'm just me personally, I'd probably lean slightly towards Simmons. But I know you feel differently, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Let's talk about something uh, that just started up this this past weekend: the XFL. The XFL. The return. I mean, I haven't really
0: watched it again. I, I I think I made it clear on this podcast. Like, I'm getting into football, but I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm I'm a huge, huge football guy. Mm -hmm. I know, I know my football chops, though, of course, and I pay attention to. But uh, I don't. Again, it's again. Also, in Canada, it's not the easiest thing to get coverage of, uh, you know, football on your TV unless you're like really dedicated to it. Um, But yeah, the XFL just uh, kicked off for this season. Obviously, it's kind of revival and
1: uh i know you tuned in i did and i watched the very first game between seattle dragons and the dc defenders already the best football team in washington (laughs) sorry sorry redskins fans which is true uh but i was really impressed it was a really fun game to watch i really liked the way that they did the opening kickoff it's uh basically if you haven't seen it yet they all stand on the line the kicker. hits the ball it goes into the other end zone the defender picks it up and as soon as that guy picks it up every team starts running it's a lot safer than the way the nfl does it i love the pet the extra point attempt of having it like lined up for like how they do it in the nfl for the extra two points i feel like that's an ingenious move it makes for uh, entertaining games and Sa- saturday's first game could have been a better introduction to the new league i think this league has potential i thought it could work I was skeptical though because we saw the last league failed miserably but this time they're just focusing on football and so far that's what they've been doing and I'm I'm impressed now do you think it'll um
0: it'll last through I guess the honeymoon phase right now obviously with the first games or the first week first few weeks everyone's going to want to you know tune in because there's hype around it but you know once once the season goes on more Do you think the attention is going to be there?
1: Well, the good thing is there's only 10 games. Mm -hmm. There is only – it's a very short season. The season will be done by late April. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, enough time for it to, like, not overstay its welcome because, listen, there's a lot of football fatigue for some some football fans. I can understand why they wouldn't be interested in the the XFL after a while. But – I think with the potential that this league could have, and being a very entertaining option for football to continue into the to the the winter and the early spring, there's there's a potential here for this to work, and I think last week was a really good uh like appetizer for what I think should be a very fun season. And the numbers backed it up. We saw it on Twitter on Saturday. It was the number one trending topic. It Was trending like crazy. Honestly, yeah. I, I
0: I see new XFL things every day this week. I've been seeing you know on Twitter. Um, you know, new tweets about the XFL. So clearly, the interest is there. I just want to see how it is after you know the hype kind of dies down. It'll be
1: very interesting to see for sure because uh, this league showed this past weekend there was a lot of potential there for this to work. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, I brought something uh special for uh, this episode. I've been I've been doing a lot of research. I don't know why I've been looking into like a lot of like uh, obscure facts and things like that in the sports and things like that. Ooh, I like, I, thinking, I like obscure stuff. Why didn't I? Why not I quiz you a little on, uh, on like uh, like a little game on on some? Uh, we'll start with like some Leafs trivia here. Okay. Maybe we can do this more uh, in ep- future episodes, and I can uh, get some uh, fun questions and things like that. Let's sure. start off easy though. Let's let's do this. I just I think it's fun. Let's just see how many you can get. I know you're a diehard Maple Leafs fan. Well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean I hope you get all of these. <laughs> okay, let's do it um but yeah i mean we'll see and i mean i don't know we could think of a segment name for this later are you smarter than michael or something i don't know
1: (laughs) maybe 21 (laughs) questions nah that's too too no i'm not gonna
0: if you think i'm gonna come up with 21 questions every every single uh, every single week took me a long enough to think of 10 (laughs) 10
1: questions okay there it is
0: i mean okay so i mean let's just let's just do this okay um,
1: I mean the first question
0: is uh who's the Leafs leader in points and goals
1: start up super easy Is this franchise or this or this Franchise, season? franchise I believe that's uh mm-hmm. Sundin
0: Okay, yep, so there you go. You got one 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 for one so far
1: I know he's like uh, like five over 500 goals mm-hmm. and it's like something to do with a like thousand points like it's it's crazy
0: Second question who holds the Leafs record for most points in a single season?
1: That has to be early 90s. My dad would probably kill me if I got this one wrong, so I'm going to say Doug Gilmore. Yep. So Doug Gilmore had 127 in 92-93. Maybe Austin Matthews breaks that record this Uh, year? Maybe. I'm kidding. I don't know if he's going to.
0: I mean, within the next couple of years, maybe? Who knows? Who knows? So uh, here's the next one. How many different names, how many different team names has the the Toronto Maple Leafs franchise had?
1: Oh, okay. Um, There's been a few. I know for sure Leafs is not their original name. That was in 1927. They originated before that. They were the Toronto St. Pat's. I know they were originally the Toronto Arenas. I want to say, and I think that's it. So your final answer is three. I want to say three. Yep. Oh, thank God. Okay. I thought there was four. No,
0: you're rolling right now. You're rolling. Um. You better get this one. Oh God. <laughs> How many times have the Leafs picked first overall, and who did they pick? twice one oh, yeah.
1: Clark in 1985 and Matthews obviously 2016. easy you got that easy money in the bank
0: okay we'll go a little harder now okay. I hope I got some hard questions I, I still went kind of easy because this is the first time I'm doing yeah it. yeah now that I know you're I'm, I'm kind of gauging it right now now that I know it, I'm <laughs> okay, okay with some real hard questions in the next couple weeks I like um, this This is fun <laughs> which Toronto Maple Leafs captain famously ripped off the C of his jersey with scissors Ooh,
1: okay. This was uh, in the 80s. You know the story though. Well, right? my dad would tell me the story all the time. Uh, I don't remember the story fully, but I believe it was Daryl Siller because he was just mad at something Harold Ballard did with a trade. So he's like, eh, "I don't like this team," eh. mm-hmm. and then then he reluctantly came back. I mean, you got it right.
0: And uh, yeah, so like, I mean, hey, I'm kind of giving you, like a history lesson here <laughs> while we're doing this little game. But yeah, basically, basically what happened was. Uh, Punch Imlak was uh, he was previously coach and they brought him back as GM. Mm-hmm. I think I think it was like the third time they brought him back or something in nineteen seventy nine. This happened in nineteen eighty. In nineteen seventy nine, um, and he kinda wanted to, you know, kind of take over that leadership role, like kind of make it known that he was, you know, coach of this team, he runs this team. Yeah. Um, he started apparently trashing the team in the in the press and like prohibiting players from T V appearances, things like that. And, uh, I mean, obviously, Daryl Sittler, who was captain, kind of got a little mad, a little cheesed about that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, basically, what happened was because Sittler had a no-trade clause, he couldn't trade him. Right. So, uh, Imlach went and traded uh, Lanny McDonald to the Colorado Rockies. Of course. And who was, of course, one of uh, Sittler's best friends. And in that moment, I guess the conflict just had grown too much that he just felt like he had to step down as he was fed up with it you
1: know, it was actually funny you mentioned Larry Mac- Lanny McDonald I was actually at the Hawk Hill of Fame today with some oh. with some of my friends and uh, he was actually there at the Hawk Hill of Fame so I was briefly chatting up with him he was there yeah nice he was, he was just chilling there or what I think he was just I think he was just in the area he just walked around wow that was that was pretty cool so I was seeing the must that's up. really interesting <laughs> guys listen I saw the must up close it's still as glorious as it was should back in the day.
0: What's it, What was it like when Daryl Sittler ripped off the jersey for you? I should have <laughs> ripped have asked ripped him the C off his jersey for you.
1: If I had known then, if I knew then, what I know now, I probably should have. Okay,
0: next question. Only one Leafs coach has won the Jack Adams Award for the NHL's top coach. Who was it?
1: Ooh, I don't know how long the Jack Adams Award's been around. This is a. Uh, hmm good i have a hard question okay. for once. <laughs> it's not mike back <laughs> to make sure it's a hard question thank god it wasn't Babcock. Th- th- thinking back imagine if he won that in 2017 knowing what we knew before <laughs> what he did i know right <laughs> <laughs> that would have been bad um there's only one name i could possibly think of um, during the 90s um he was um the coach one of the coaches that helped turn the team around not the one uh, after that because that'd be uh, too obvious. I'm going to guess P- Pat Burns. Yeah, in
0: 92, 93. Man, you're rolling through Let's this. go. Even Let's when go. I think I got you... That almost but got I almost got you. I might get you on this one. Okay. I think I might get you on this one. Oh, no. What was the highest number ever worn by a Leaf? Hmm.
1: I think I know this one. This was in the 80s. Man. It's not Wayne Gretzky. It's not Wayne Gretzky, because Wayne Gretzky was not on the team. But... There was a guy named Wolf Palment, and he also wore number ninety nine. Dang it! I, I need to come <laughs> with like super hard questions. The only reason I know that, listen, the only reason <laughs> I know that is because I used to watch, learn about Wayne Gretzky so much, and that's the only, and like I was, and like I learn, like how many other number ninety nines were in the NHL? I always knew, least had one, and that was him. That's was, the only reason I know that he was the only
0: other. He was the last player other than Wayne
1: Gretzky to wear ninety nine. Yeah. I mm-hmm. feel like I mispronounced his name, though, so I apologize to him. Fun
0: fact. I mean, there was a, apparently, I mean, obviously, we did not live in the 80s, but the apparently nine. there was a uh, a commercial uh, by Leon's, you know, Leon's the furniture store here in Canada. Um, they did. Uh, uh, well, actually, we it was apparently in 2008, so we lived during that time, but okay. I guess I didn't catch it, but um, in honor of their 99th anniversary, they uh, kind of teased Gretzky, I guess, by saying, I don't know, probably something along the lines of, oh, and here's number 99 or something. And then uh, he comes out and he says, What were you expecting someone else? <laughs> <laughs> That's so, good. I mean, there's a little a little fun fact. Uh, I'm gonna watch that commercial afterwards. I couldn't find it. I tell you, I searched for it. I saw I saw the, that fact, but I couldn't find the actual video. Oh
1: man. That seems like it's I think I could get some good laughs.
0: Okay, next question. Who is the only person who have been captain, coach, and GM of the Leafs?
1: I think this one's gonna get me. Oh Kay. no! Oh no! I got one. <laughs> I, I need to have gotten one. Oh no! Okay. The only thing I'm thinking this is like the early Somehow days. Somehow you're gonna pull it off. Uh, I'm gonna, gonna, gonna just off. take a. No, I don't think I'm gonna get this one. I just taking a think. I'm just thinking. This is during like maybe like the 30s. I'm gonna say. Uh, half day oh man how'd you get that (laughs) i just guessed that was just a shot in the dark i really was stumped i was really stumped i don't know if these are flukes or you're actually like i think that one was genius that was like that was that one was a fluke i mean if you're a least fan
0: you'll get it i think if you're a least fan you'll get it but i'm trying to word them or trying to get questions that are like you don't you know like you have to know like Way back, you have to know all your eras for them. Yeah,
1: but that one, that one was a
0: close cause, one. You yeah, for that one, you need to know the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s to see basically. Know that, that one me. almost
1: got me. You almost got me there. I will admit, I will admit that. Okay, the next question is: uh,
0: the Leafs played their very first game and their very last game at the Maple Leaf Gardens against this team. Which team was it?
1: the reason I know this, I mean, if you
0: know one, then you get the other. But wait, it's a two—the same team. So their, their first game and their last game at the gardens was against the very same
1: team. Okay. I know it's because I have the video. Uh, okay. My dad yeah. saved, I don't know why Don't why my dad did this, but he saved, he had a VHS recording of the Leafs last game at Maple Leaf Gardens and a bit of the first one at Air Canada Center. I remember watching that originally as a kid. Uh, and I mean, no, who the hell cares about the score from that last game? But it was Chicago, obviously. Yeah. And no reason, yeah, exactly okay, right. now and see that brought back bad memories because now I'm just remembering about that other loss to Chicago a few weeks ago. It's like that still pisses me off.
0: <laughs> I mean, they lost both the games. To be fair,
1: yeah, both their first game and their last game at the Gardens against Chicago. I bet you their first and last game at, Air- at the Scotiabank Arena is going to be against Montreal. It's going to be they're going to do the same thing, and then they're going to do the next three. is going to be a different. My next question. <laughs> well, you oh, didn't no. spoil it. Actually,
0: it's well. You'll probably, I think, you'll get it. So, I mean, I'll just go on to the next question. The first Leafs game at the Air Canada Centre was on February twenty eighth, nineteen ninety nine. Actually, that's almost the anniversary is almost coming up. Wow! Well, but we know it was against the Montreal Canadiens, their first game, but they won three to two in overtime. Who scored the overtime goal?
1: No. I think you got me. Oh, shit, I don't know. I'm sorry for take swearing. <laughs>
0: take it. Take a shot in the dark. Because clearly you've gotten all the other ones, and if you somehow get this, man, I don't think
1: I am gonna get this one. I don't know. Dean? Is that your final answer? I don't know. No,
0: I got one. <laughs> it was Steve Thomas. Oh <laughs>
1: goddammit. it! You're right. I was. I was stumped. God damn it. I I think I just, everyone remembers the last game against the uh, Maple Leaf Gardens better than the first one at the Arcana Center. I, I don't know why that is. Because I mean, like, the last game was a loss, but the first one was a win. Like, you should remember the win more. But, like, I don't know. I guess maybe people have more of a sentimental uh, connection to Maple Leaf Gardens just because of all the I success mean, that mean going Yeah, I been. mean,
0: in a way, Steve Thomas kind of opened the Scotia Bay, I mean, the Canada Center with uh, a big goal. Mm -hmm. Gotta remember that. Um, And then my next question um, I'm gonna give you four options. I'm gonna give you four options. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if you know it. So, first, I'll ask you if you know it. Okay. Then you can call your lifeline if you need. Okay. On April 8th, 1971, during a playoff game against the New York Rangers, a line brawl broke out. Um, Leafs goaltender Bernie Perrant got into a little scrum Mm -hmm. um, with the Rangers goaltender. Um, however, something happened during that scrum that caused him, caused Bernie Perron to leave the game.
1: What happened? Do I have, what are the options? Are you calling that lifeline? I don't know. I don't do you know it off the top of your head? I do not know the story. This is the first time I've heard. I, I, I mean, I knew Perron was a Leafs goalie, but I didn't even know there was a fight and he left the game for some random reason. So I, you, want, you want to want yeah, your us let's, let's do options? This. I do
0: not know. Was it A, he pushed a ref, B, he lost his mask? C, he got a black eye in the fight. Hmm. Or D, a fan threw a bottle at
1: him. (laughs) Oh, my God. So he's our (laughs) test. I, okay. I don't think a a referee would want to kick a player out because he took off his mask. Because players have fought without masks before. Like, we saw, like, this a few weeks ago with the flames and oilers, right? They didn't Mm -hmm. kick them out for that.
0: Oh, I said he pushed his, he pushed a ref. Okay. Was A. Yeah, yeah. B was he lost his mask? Yeah, I'm saying
1: like I don't think a mask would be enough of a reason to be kicked out of a game. Mm-hmm. I-, I think this one's a shot in the dark. I don't know. Uh, I n- didn't. I do not know the story. Are right, you gonna take a guess though? I'm just gonna take a guess. Mm-hmm. What's the most it likely? Might be thing? a fluke. This, this is gonna. This one's, one's gonna be a fluke. If I get this one right, I'm just gonna think what's the most logical thing a player would do to get kicked out of a game, and I think that might be pushing a ref.
0: Are you thinking about you're thinking back to Maurice Richard?
1: <laughs> yeah. When he got suspended. Yeah. But, Actually, I was watching that documentary the other day. Funny you mentioned oh, yeah? that. Like in <laughs> class. It was like, oh, this is your first of class. We're gonna watch about Maurice Richard and the riots. Yeah. But, and the riots. Yeah. But uh at least I got two on uh, you. At least I got two what, on what you. What did he do?
0: Um so yeah, he lost his mask.
1: What? Yeah. So Oh my god. I got god. I got let me
0: read the let me tell you the whole story. So obviously he was a he was goalie for the Leafs. And, uh, basically what happened was during that, uh, fight during that line brawl, um, Rangers captain Vic Hadfield, uh, I mean, Perron didn't know about this while it happened, but apparently, yeah, Rangers captain Hadfield, he, uh, he had taken the mask and he had thrown it into the audience. Okay. Okay. Line brawl ends. Bernie Perron goes to go get his equipment or whatever. Couldn't find the mask. Police checked uh, the stands and everything, <laughs> couldn't find the mask at all. <laughs> and I don't know if it was—I don't think he got thrown out because back then I, I don't know how new the goalie mask you know was. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I read that you know he just he he didn't play he didn't want to play with the mask without the mask. Mm-hmm. So I guess he may, maybe he just left. But point is he didn't play because his mask wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the backup goaltender at the time was Jack Plant. And uh, he he took over. And uh, fun fact, they couldn't find that mask for years, years, years. It went it went missing wow. for a long, long time, until this taken. This was back in 1971. Until 2006, it was found at a 2006 sports memorabilia auction, um, and an, anon- an anonymous buyer had bought had purchased it, mm-hmm. and actually had reunited it with um, Bernie Perron. To verify that it was his, and it was indeed his. It fit perfectly when he tried it on. It was, had, like, some padding that he had put on himself that he instantly recognized. Yeah, yeah. And now that uh, anonymous buyer has it.
1: Wow, that's amazing. What a story. <laughs> what a story. I, I've never heard of that, in my, that story that's I have
0: before. a bunch. I was deep diving into a bunch of this, like, wow. kind of fun fact sports stuff. That's awesome. Um, And uh, I found a lot of great stories. I have a whole doc of it, so hopefully we could do more. Yes. In the next... With asking you, I want I want to ask you these questions. I'll I'll come up with the questions, ask you these questions.
1: I'm have, um, I'm we could do, do the something same. fun with this. I'm gonna have to do this with the Raptors for you.
0: <laughs> Maybe we could do it. Let's do both both ways. I mean, we were. T- I mean, I I don't want. I don't even want to put this uh, like in the next episode because we were talking about this the other day. But I mean, here's a question for you. A basketball question. Okay. Which player was traded for uh, basically a copying machine?
1: Kyle Korver fun mm-hmm. and fun fact the reason i know this is because the sb nation video of the new jersey nets or now brooklyn nets collapse mentioned that like early in the video i was yeah. like and it's funny because the joke's like what copy copy machines are expensive he's great though he is
0: he's amazing For a copy i would machine. love kyle korver on my team and all he all he cost it was a copy machine <laughs> yeah. i mean to be fair it wasn't only it wasn't exactly for a copy machine what happened was the New Jersey Nets just came off a finals, ex- uh, an NBA Finals uh, appearance. Yeah. They were short on cash. They needed cash. So, uh, they like, they couldn't e- – apparently they couldn't even uh, – without that cash, they couldn't even, you know, participate in Summer League mm-hmm. because they needed to cover that those expenses. So they basically drafted him and basically traded him away for $125,000. Mm-hmm. And a part of that $125,000 covered the Summer League. And then the rest, I guess, they were just like, hey – Let's buy a copy machine with whatever, like this $500. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know why they felt it was important to include that (laughs) into the expenses, which I don't know. How much do copy machines run for? I think like like, max, like a thousand. Yeah, probably. If you're buying like some really, really good copy machine, I don't know what NBA teams are using, but uh, I don't know why you need to consider that as part
1: of the budget. (laughs) Listen, it's not as bad as being traded for a dollar. Do you know who yep. that
0: player was? Yep. Chris Draper. Yep. That was also on my doc, but I guess I'll have to
1: delete that. <laughs> I'll have to come <laughs> up with some new questions. That is one of my favorite stories. Like, a, a player getting traded for a dollar. Like, a dollar? A dollar. At
0: least get $125,000 so you can buy a coffee
1: machine. Yeah, you could buy 20 coffee machines. <laughs> <laughs> or, you, or just, like, go to Dollarama and get something out of it. Oh, a dollar. Like,
0: why even draft in them? Like, at least trade down in the draft. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or uh, wasn't there that famous trade where uh, the NBC traded for a sports commentator and gave Disney uh, a cartoon character in return?
0: Really? I never heard that story.
1: I can't remember the the, the name of the the commentator, but I know the cartoon was Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, which who the hell cares of Oswald? But, oh, it's Al Michaels. Let me look this up. So Disney trade. Yeah, like there it is. Literally the Disney trade. How ESPN traded Al Michaels for Oswald the Rabbit? Like, that's literally the trade. ESPN?
0: Yeah. What are they going to do with the cartoon character?
1: That cartoon <laughs> character was literally only in a game, as far as I know. And that's it. Well, whereas Al Michaels continues to have a long, fruitful career as commentating uh, NFL games. Like, these are some weird trades.
0: I don't get it. I don't get it, but we'll see. We'll see how this all unfolds. Uh, I, I definitely, I definitely want to tweak this kind of game we're, we're going to do. And with this trivia. I love this game. I'll come up with some more uh some more trivia for you. Guys, if you have I think to, you oh. did good because it was Leafs. It was uh it was Leafs questions. That's I gotta, I gotta diversify it a little. Next time it's gonna That's be funny. like you know, all teams or maybe maybe a, a multiple sports or something. Um, Guys,
1: listen, if you have any ideas for what we could talk do for this kind of segment in the future, let us know. This this is a this could be a really fun segment, uh like for topic wise. You know what we could do? I mean
0: I mean, I know you have a ton of followers. I, I have a, a fraction of the amount of followers you have. Mm-hmm. But hey, if any any followers want to maybe maybe jump on call and go head to head with Michael oh. in a trivia contest, <laughs> let us know. We, that would be fun. Maybe. Are you smarter than Michael? I would call. I would call the segment. Are you smarter than Michael? Oh, if, if that gosh. happens, <laughs> see if, if you can get more <laughs> more than he does.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, this this is uh, this is something that I think we should be doing going forward. This is fun. It's l- fun. A nice surprise.
0: I have some crazy... I I do have some other stories here that I, I don't think you know. Okay. And it's going to be funny. You're going to get me next week. I already
1: know it. Like Hopefully. I already know I'm going to be... I'm going to get, like, destroyed.
0: I don't know about destroyed because uh, you are... I mean, you surprised me there, <laughs> even with a couple fluke answers there, no, when you claim it. you didn't know.
1: No, but I literally, some of them I literally didn't know. I just took a <laughs> l- lucky guess. But, uh yeah
0: we'll see we'll see how that how that works out
1: well that was a really fun episode I, i'd hate to cut that short but uh we're i think we're out of time uh thank you guys for listening to uh episode 12 of behind the net podcast as always you can find me on twitter at the least imo
0: and you can find me on twitter at matt underscore rodrigo underscore
1: and we've got a lot of uh, exciting things planned uh, for the podcast in the next couple weeks not just for this segment but uh Some interesting guests we want to get on the show. Mm -hmm. We're working on guests. Uh,
0: We're working on kind of making this show bigger. uh, Doing a lot more things, really.
1: So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank Uh, you. We'll see you guys next week. Yep. See you guys next week. Just before we uh, go, just a little bit of an uh, epilogue to uh, today's episode. Um, Last night, uh, we saw what happened with uh, Jay Bowmeister during the uh, Ducks-Blues game where he had a cardiac arrest. Um, That was pretty tough to watch. Uh, I saw the clip last night, and that was a really tough watch. When
0: I saw it, it was uh, very tough to watch. So, uh, I mean, we're kind of putting it out at the end of the episode here. Just really quickly, just wanted to quickly touch on it. Um, You know, obviously thoughts and prayers to Jay Easter and uh, his uh, family. I read that, uh, I think it was the Blues' uh, dad's trip. Mm -hmm. so that that's definitely very hard to process and uh yeah i just hope uh hope he's okay definitely praying for him and uh huge uh you know huge props to uh the whole uh the whole medical staff that was there and uh, everyone that was so quick to uh kind of uh Mm -hmm. you know help him out in and in that situation
1: yeah it's just proof again that life's too short to to be appreciative of every opportunity that you get um and just the, the show of love and support that both teams were showing. And even on Twitter afterwards, all the other NHL teams, they were showing they're sending their mm-hmm. love and support to the Blues and Jay Bomeester during his time of need. Uh, I thought that was really impactful. Of uh, I, I I haven't seen anything like this since uh, Patrick Beverly had a similar incident a few years ago. And this hits hard just watching that. When something like this happens, uh, you don't expect it. Like it, it, it hurts you. It, it's gut-wrenching. But I think J-Bo, if this is the end for J-Bo I feel bad that this is the way he probably has his career ends. But at the same time, I think he wouldn't be too mad because he's got that Stanley Cup ring. So for both of us, uh, thoughts and prayers yeah. go out Let's to hope him. And for his the family. best. Exactly. Of course. All right, that's Thanks it. Thanks for
0: listening.